Good morning, everyone. Great to have you here this morning. It's good to be able to meet together like this in this season. And, um, you know, I was talking with my friends, uh, not just in Victoria this week, but also in New Zealand. All the guys have, like, they've opened their churches and businesses, and now they're closing them all again. It's just, uh, you know, it's such a yo-yo experience right now for everyone on so many levels. And, um, yeah, just keep... You know, the work of the kingdom at a time like this is, is just keep in focus. Um, evil is an intrusion into the story of God. Never forget that. There's no room for it. It wasn't God, God hasn't made room for this thing. And often we'll find ourselves in hard places asking, well, why? And that's okay to ask the why because the why is an expression of a lament from deep within that's saying something's wrong that shouldn't be like this. And so that's okay to ask the why are we experiencing this. No, 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 um, God's not scared of that. But you also need to hang on to the fact that God is actually, you know, because in, in the why, when we ask the why, we're often like saying at the same time, well, if I was God, <laughs> then I would do it like this. And why aren't you busy, God, doing what I would do if I were you? It's okay to bring the why, and it's even okay to acknowledge some of that, you know, well, if I was king, this is how I would do it. It's okay to acknowledge that. But just keep it in check because this, the reality is, um, it's the, the question has moved from why a long time ago. The, and the question is now, what? What is God doing about this? The why has been answered a long time ago. Right, right back, you can read that from the very beginning in the book of Genesis. It's like, okay, evil, sickness and death and sin is an intrusion into the God-ordained story and plan and purposes of God in creation. It's a complete intrusion. And right there in the book, early in Genesis, God says, I am going to get busy now about restoring things to what they were always meant to be. And then we see the fullness of that in the face of Jesus, don't we? We see Jesus bringing the kingdom in all its fullness. Hey, this morning I want to take a bit of time. We're just going to open up a little bit of a conversation over the next few weeks about um, the life of uh, Jesus and how he invites us to bring the kingdom into the hardest of places, into all of those places and spaces that have been jarred and broken and, um, and aren't working. And so, or they don't look like uh, what, uh, what we think they should look like after we read, read the Bible and we experience Jesus. You know, 2020 has most certainly so far been the most chaotic, intense year uh, that has thrown people into all sorts of spaces of isolation and challenge and loneliness and all sorts of things. And it's been impacting people, not just economically, but it's impacting people spiritually. It's impacting people relationally, uh, both um, in uh, unhealthy ways and as well as big invitations from the Holy Spirit. Isolation is no doubt the priority power that in this moment God is asking us if we'll join him in what he is doing to contend with that. 
Um, being Jesus people is not to partner with isolation. Being Jesus people is to partner with King Jesus into the context that isolation is building right now. We don't run from it. We're not scared of it. We acknowledge it, but we step towards it. And so this morning, I want to start to talk a little bit about this idea of koinonia or fellowship and the power of the fellowship of Jesus in being in relationship with him and being in relationship with his people, actually partners to bring God's rule and reign into all of those circumstances and people situations where the power of isolation is ruling, is the ruling reality for them. So let's just pray for a second before we do this. Lord Jesus, I just ask that over the next few minutes, as we read the Bible together, literally, quite literally, the scriptures would just come alive to our hearts, our minds. It would like bring both liberty and it would just bring this sense of conviction unto righteousness, unto being alive in Jesus, being dead to sin and alive to God. Come, Holy Spirit, as we read the Bible today, shape our life, make it more like Jesus. Make it more fruitful that we might live in everything that you've won for us in your death and resurrection and at the same time we might be a, a gift of your grace to the world, to the people that we live among. And we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, um, this idea of um, fellowship or intimacy, John Wimber once said it like this, and this is what we love about who we are in our life of worship and who we are as people, is that intimacy lead, with God leads to intimacy with one another. In other words, our mutual belonging and relating is founded on God's presence and his word, the scriptures. The priority of fellowship is all about the importance of relationships, actually doing them, operating relationally, sharing a common life. It means being a family to one another in loving and caring relationships. We prioritise fellowship. Now, if you've got your Bible there, open it up to Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're just going to take a, a, a quick snapshot from Acts 2. Uh, verse 42 to verse 47. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the screen for you. But Acts 2, 42 to 47, the backstory, okay? Jesus has lived, he's crucified, he's dead, he's resurrected. He is now um, alive. He has breathed his spirit on the people of Jesus. There's a now a new people in the earth called um, the people of Christ in the earth. They're filled with his spirit. He's now reigning, uh, ascended as king, and now his people are about to live under the generosity of his spirit and partner with God to make all things right. And so there's this little group of them. They're trying to figure out what does it mean to live under the spirit in, as Jesus' people. Verse 42 says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to one another, who had, anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together 
in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, often um, many of us in the Christian life, we, we wait for these silver bullet moments of, oh, well, I'll just, you know, if only the Spirit would come. If only the Spirit would come. Well, in, when Luke's writing this, he's writing this saying, this is the reality because the Spirit has come. They're not waiting for the Spirit. The Spirit is on them. And this is what it looks like when people live underneath the generosity of God's Holy Spirit. And it's really interesting because in the very first part of that sentence of verse 42, it says, they, being Jesus' people, his disciples, they devoted themselves. They weren't waiting for a Holy Spirit, you know, magic bullet to motivate them. They, they were actually what it means to live in response to the presence of the Holy Spirit is that you are now empowered to bring yourself to joining in with what God's doing. He's not going to send another magic bullet. He has sent his spirit and breathed his breath upon you. And for those of you who have said yes to Jesus Christ, he has filled you with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has taken up residency in you and breathes in you the life of God. You are this now coming alive new creation of God. You are filled with the Spirit. Yes, the Bible encourages us time and time again to continue to be filled with the Spirit. Keep turning up to God and say, Lord, yes, give me more. But when this scripture is written, it's written from the place that this is what it looks like when people are filled with the Spirit. And the big key is they devoted themselves They weren't waiting for God to do some sort of puppet act to try and make us do anything. He's breathed his spirit. He's made us new, alive, born again, new creations in God. And now he's saying, come alive in that. You can can partner with however much you want to actually come alive in that. You can devote yourself. I can devote myself. God's inviting us to turn up and partner with what he is doing as he's bringing his kingdom into the, into the earth. Now, you know, koinonia um, is a great word. It just means fellowship, and it's there in Acts, 42, Acts 2.42. And it basically just means like communion, a shared life, an intimacy of knowing one another relationally, spiritually, emotionally. It's this, um, you know, um, there's just four little uh, outworkings uh, in my own kind of language there. What does it look like? What does koinonia look like? What does that fellowship look like under the Holy Spirit? Well, they share stuff. You share your stuff, your material stuff. So when you see someone in need, you go, well, I've got something that can help that. I'll go and give them my stuff or share my heart actually take an awareness and an interest in the well-being of the emotions of others. It's like, they're not doing so good today. I'm going to be aware to that and reach towards them in that. Um, Be devoted to walking both the valleys and the mountaintops. It's like, hey, we're not scared of walking through valleys because Jesus has already walked through the deepest of valleys for us 
end, actually. Remember the day we were baptized? We were baptized into the death, the valley, and at the same time, by faith, we have been born again and raised up into the life of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we live, we are the kind of people, we are hills and valley people. Now, the rea- <laughs> there's a lot of people out there in the body of Christ who want to live at one end of that or the other end of that. However, you know, they'll take a lens to the Bible and it's like, no, nah, it's all valley. It's all valley and the hill's not coming till Christ comes again. And then there's other parts of the body of Jesus who have a lens that say, no, it should all be hill, all hill. The valley's been conquered and it's all hill from now on and deny the fact that there is valleys. We, as Jesus people, are a hills and valley people. We will walk wherever we need to walk, wherever Jesus is leading us, bringing the kingdom into every valley and every hill. We declare the kingdom from the hilltop. We declare the kingdom from the valley. We're not afraid of that. That's what it means to be the people under the spirit of the living God. We're devoted to walking hills and valleys and together. And we're, we also understand that they're walk, we're walking together in this reality of being God people on the earth. In other words, we walk with the reality of the heavens in the earth. We are a heaven and earth people, and we walk like that every day. So this is koinonia. Um, it's a shared life. It, and so this morning, I just want to take a little bit of time to open up the story of what it's like for you and for me to let Jesus shape us to being kingdom people. Now, um, this week, just an absolute tragedy has taken place locally in our community. A young girl from the school that my kids go to, and um, or Sarah goes to, my other two don't go there anymore, but they know her, they went, you know, part of the triathlon club with her. But this young 17-year-old girl just tragically, tragically dies in a car accident. And it's just like the whole, the grief, you know, that's in local schools at the moment, of people that know this family and the families of everyone else that was involved. There's just this somberness across the whole community and into the schools. Uh, and um, it was interesting just to, you know, sit with Sarah on Friday night when she came home from school. She was, she was glum, she was heavy-hearted, she was sad, she was grieved, she was, like, trying to process all of that. Now... The reality is, all of a sudden, as a young person at 16, she's just turned 16, she has for the first time come close to knowing someone who has now died in a terrible way. Now, she has had family die, elderly family die, but you're kind of like, okay, that's going to happen. But for a peer, for, a, for a, an, another young person, 17-year-old, that she knew to die was the first time she's come that close to death and the conversation around death and dying. And why is the world like this? And what is God doing about it? 
Um, we live in this world all the time. And right now, one of the um, big things that we're all trying to push through as well is this, this national reality of trying to deal with a, with a virus that's taking life. And it's into this that we, as Jesus people filled with the Spirit, understand that, yes, there will be trials in this life. We don't ignore them. We don't deny them. uh, We don't go looking for them. But we acknowledge that they're there. And it's all through the scriptures. You know, this group of people in Acts 2 there, they, they, you know, they shared, had this common life of fellowship and it was this bond of fellowship in the Holy Spirit that then sent them all over, to the, all over the then known world to take the good news of God in Jesus, that God's kingdom was at hand and he's making everything right. But one thing that we as Jesus people are, we are people who've been made for the trials in this life as much as we want to avoid it as much as we want to kind of get away from the difficulty of it we've been made to partner with God to step into the trials of this life John 16 33 Jesus says in this world you will have trouble but take heart I've overcome it which is interesting, he's making a statement of I've overcome it before he's even risen from the dead, before he's been crucified and raised. But in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome this world. We are a people who are made to journey into the face of these trials. You see, we've been saved, we've been called, we've been shaped, and we've been filled by the Lordship of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to step towards every trial, every anxious thought, every power, every trouble with the hope of the message of the good news of Jesus. We've been made to step towards the trials, not run from them. Jesus, knowing what was ahead of himself for the joy before him, endured the cross. He stepped toward the trial. We spend a lot of time, energy and medication in, this, in our Western culture to try and avoid all sorts of trials and difficulties. We want life to be smooth. We want it to be controlled. We want it to be managed. We want it to be clean, cut and tidy. That is just not the truth. Yet we spend all this time, energy and money trying to propagate and prop up a false truth. In this world, we will have trouble. But what, what is God doing about it? Well, he's filling a group of people with the resurrection power of his son Jesus and sending them to step toward that and bring the kingdom just like it is in heaven. Now is a really strong time. One of the best works and most um, powerful things that we can be doing right now is a life of prayer. A life of prayer. To bring the kingdom. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let the reconciling work of Christ manifest right here, right now, over everything else that's trying to usurp your authority as king. That's, that's the work of the people of Jesus right now. We look at the trials and we pray for the kingdom to come. We let that carry in our heart. We're a people that understand trials 
We're also people who understand tears. We weep with those who are weeping. We're not, we're not, we're not backward in having a good cry with those who are crying right now. We weep with those who are weeping. Yesterday in, in my household, our crew, we were all like, what can we do for this family that has just experienced this tragic loss of this young life? We don't know them personally. We don't have direct relationship, yet our hearts were heavy for them. So what did our family do? Well, Nicole just gets online and she says, the best way that I can do that right now is I can give money to that family. I can extend my love to that family by giving them money. And so she got on the GoFund thing, put some money in. And then Luke was like, I'm doing the same. I want to help this family right now. And the best way he, so he got online and he sent his money to this GoFund thing. And then Sarah, she's like, she sent her, you know, little McDonald's pay packet. In it went, the whole thing. But it's like, they, the, the, the tears, the, the heaviness of heart was like, how can I connect with this with an expression of the kingdom and love and bringing hope to, and healing? So they, you know, they all sent their money. But we weep with those who are weeping. John chapter 11, great story. Jesus is finally turned up. Lazarus has been dead four days. He's in the tomb. Everyone's grieved. Everyone's, and there's a few people that are a bit upset that Jesus took his time to get there. And then before Jesus does anything, he stands at the tomb of Lazarus and the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, two words, it says this, Jesus wept. Jesus just stood in the pain of the moment and he allowed his emotions, his whole life, just to enter into the depth of the grief that was taking place around that family at the moment. One of the things of, of the life of, you know, doing life in fellowship with Jesus and in fellowship with people is the number of times where Nicole and I, have, we've just had to sit with people as they're dying and sit with families as their loved ones are dying and sit with families who whose family have, their children have died in you know, unplanned circumstances, just tragedy. And God's invited us, what do we do in a space like that? Well, it really sucks, it's painful, and we are emotionally torn. And so we just weep with those who weep. We need some really awesome kingdom Jesus weeping people right now. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to enter into the grief of others. And stand with them. You don't have to have some kind of answer. Just weep. Just acknowledge it. This is terrible. My heart goes to you. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But I'm just, I'm going to be here. I just want you to know I love you and I'm going to be here. Weep. Kingdom people, Jesus people know how to lament. Because the other part of a, lamp, a good lament is it's a prophetic cry of the heart of God that lives within us by the Holy Spirit. Where we cry out and we go, oh God, it shouldn't be like this. And we let that prophetic heart of God in the earth, from him in the heavens, ruling and reigning in our hearts, manifest into the, into the world with a prophetic message that says it's never 
ever meant to be like this, and this hurts, but God is here. Lament. There's so much of the Bible is a, is a lament. It's a prophetic cry of the heart of God from the Father that he is busy reconciling and he feels and he is entering into this moment. And it doesn't, it doesn't, he is not immune to it. We lament when the young die too soon. We lament when our loved ones battle sickness and loneliness. We lament when disease and disaster shakes the earth. We lament, we cry, we bring our heart to the pain of the world and we cry out, Oh God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Tears are powerful and are integral to our work of ploughing and cultivating the kingdom of God. We're also a people of triumph. Jesus stood at Lazarus's grave and after weeping, he stood there and he said, Lazarus, come out. Another short sentence in the Bible. One of great authority. And Lazarus came out of the grave. He rose from the dead. We are a people who Jesus has breathed his spirit into and is sending us into the world to partner with what God is doing to bring dead people alive, both, both spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and actually people are raised from the dead. Every person that I have sat with and who has died, and in their dying and at their dying, I have laid my hands to them and prayed for resurrection. I just think it's part of the commission. It's like I can't leave that space until I have done that. It's part of bringing the kingdom. Now, whether the king chooses to bring the kingdom in that moment, I haven't seen it in resurrection in that way, but I have seen resurrection power in people getting set free from demonic powers, being able to sleep again. I have seen people with addictions just broken off their life. And their whole physiology has been renewed by the kindness of God. And the biology of their body has all of a sudden been set free from the things it's been addicted to. Why? Because the king came. Jesus rules. He triumphed in that person, in that place. We see the lonely find family. We see the sick healed. We see people set free. We see our region come alive to God. Lazarus, come out. We are a people of triumph in Jesus. But finally, we are also this. We are a people of tension. If you don't like tension, you're not going to love Jesus. It's as simple as that. He will walk you into tension of the, his ruling and reigning as king happening right there in front of you and at the same time it will feel like it's a long delay before it comes kingdom now kingdom at hand we see signs of the kingdom breaking through fellowship with jesus is a life of tension 
Fellowship with Jesus is being prepared to weep with those who weep. And when we don't see the kingdom come, we continue to still call for it. And we don't try and resolve the tension. We don't try and resolve the tension by running down one end of, you know, theological interpretation that says, well, it's okay, nothing's going to happen anyway until Christ returns. Because that's not truth. That's not the biblical truth. And we don't, we don't run up to the other end of town and hang out where it's like, it's all, let's just name it and claim it. You just need a bit more faith and it's, and it's all happened. And just speak a bit of positive confession and it'll all be right. We don't hang out there, but what we do is we take the tension of those two ends and we, we just, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we live right in the crux of those two things where they collide. And so at some days it just feels like, yes, victory. Yes, delay. Yes, lament. We are a people of tension. Right now in this season... I just want to finish by asking you this question or these questions. What are the trials right now that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, come and join the Father in that place? What are those trials for you? What are the trials for... um, that you're aware of, that our, our community at large is facing right now, economically. Where, where, where is God inviting you to come and step into the trial with Jesus? Where, is, where are you lamenting right now? Who are you lamenting for? Where are you allowing the grip of the heart of God's anxi- you know, anguish and cry to rise up in you that says, That's, it shouldn't be like that, God. Bring your kingdom. Let me join you in that. Let me weep with those who are weeping right now. Sometimes we don't know what to do in that space with others when we're weeping. My encouragement to you is be present. You don't have to say much. Just be present. Bring food. Just bring food. Be present, bring food, and be a prayerful friend that just sits with them and says, Oh God, your kingdom come. Now that's all out, you know, there's a lot of risk in all of that. Where are you weeping right now? Where is God actually empowering you with his spirit? to step into authority and say to Lazarus, hey, come out. Kingdom come, now. Where are the now spaces and people that Jesus is saying, I need you to step into that space with my authority and declare my rule and reign and see it come alive again? It may be a situation, it may be a workplace relationship, it may be a spiritual um, situation for you or your family or even like our community. I mean, how many of us are walking our streets of an afternoon or a morning and calling out and saying, oh God, we speak your kingdom victory over this, over this street, over the people that I can hear four doors down yelling at each other. 
I speak your kingdom hope over them, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And where are the points of tension that we're trying to run away from? <laughs> it's like, I don't, want to, I don't like that. I'm going to run away from it to the other place, to, to the other end. Where are the points of tension right now? This is who we are. We are Jesus' people. This is what it means to fellowship with Jesus. Paul said it best like this in Philippians 3 verse uh, 10. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation, the koinonia, the fellowship in his sufferings. To become like him in his death and so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. There's this powerful, um, intense identification of connecting with the heart and purposes and activities of God that Paul's expressing there. This week, let's ask Jesus to open our eyes and our lives to the trials, the tears, the triumph and the tension of what the Father's up to in the earth, that we might join him. To the glory of God, to the glory of God and to the well-being of others. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the... The fact that we can get together like this this morning and worship you, we can, we can gather. We give you thanks for that. And um, as Scott's already prayed, Lord, we just again intercede for all our brothers and sisters all over the world who can't gather just like we are right now. Be with them, we pray. But right now, Holy Spirit, that Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves We just ask right now, Holy Spirit, you breathe on us. Speak to our heart, speak to our will, speak to our mind and just invite us into a place of amazing devotion to Jesus that we might fellowship in him and with him. And I pray, Holy Spirit, this week you would, uh, for every circumstance and situation that you're calling us to, you mature us and grow us. We'd be those hills and valleys people. We're the people that know what, what it means to live on the, the front line of the trials of your kingdom coming into the earth. That we can weep with those who weep. We can also stand and bring the victorious nature of your kingdom. And that, Lord, you just grace us that we wouldn't run from the tension. Holy Spirit, come, fill, bless, and empower Jesus' people this morning. Just as we finish now, you know, Jesus said it to the disciples when he rose again and he come and met with them while they were locked in a room and they were 
They were unsure. They weren't like, how are we going to do this thing now? Jesus just came and stepped, the risen Jesus came and stepped into their presence and he, he breathed on them and he said, receive my spirit as the Father has sent me. I'm sending you. You are a devoted and sent people. Receive the Holy Spirit today. That's what we're doing. That's how we're finishing today. Even as I just lift up my, my right hand and just sort of, I bless you in the name of the risen Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit. And as the Father sent Jesus, so he sends you and me into this world to make all things new. God bless you. Be filled in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.